Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Seth Yolorda, and I wanna thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this week's message. Our prayer is that it will leave you inspired, encouraged, and challenged as you grow higher in Christ. And I also just wanna ask that if this message is a blessing to you, that you would take the time to share it, to send it to a friend, send it to a family member so that they too can be blessed. Again, we thank you for taking the time to listen and we pray that you are blessed. We're gonna jump into the word. And if you've been with us for the last three or four weeks, you know that we are in a sermon series called Permission Granted. And this is actually going to be the, the last installment, the last episode of this series. Now I gotta tell you, this series really was only supposed to go about two or three weeks, but here we are in week five, I believe, because it just got that good to me. And I really feel compelled and challenged by this message. And the whole idea behind Permission Granted is that God is giving you permission. No, that God has given you permission to be great. That the same way you used to get a permission slip in order to go to the restroom when you were in elementary school, you couldn't be caught in the hallway during class hours without a permission slip. Well, God has given you a permission slip. And on that permission slip, God is saying, I want you to be dynamic. I want you to be outstanding. I want you to be vibrant. I want you to be a man and woman of integrity. I want you to live a dynamic life that I am calling you to be great. I am calling you to be outstanding. I'm calling you to bear fruit. And so for the last four weeks, we've been talking about um, the woman who anointed Jesus's feet. And we've been talking about the, the man who buried his talents. And we talked about the excuses that Moses made. And then last week, Pastor Johns came and he really delivered a message talking about how God has given us the freedom to be fruitful. And today I just want to end this series by jumping into the word of God and really hopefully illustrating what it means for you to be great. Now, we've been talking about this idea of fruitful living and that great isn't necessarily the good life, right? It's not the big house, the fast car, the, the fast boat. Like, that's not what we're talking about. That when God is giving you permission to be great, we're essentially saying that he's given you permission to experience kingdom greatness. And kingdom greatness is equated with or synonymous to fruitfulness, and fruitfulness, our working definition all these last four weeks, fruitfulness is living your life in such a way that your gifts emerge, that those around you are elevated, and that the kingdom is exalted. I want to say that again. Fruitfulness is living your life in such a way where your gifts emerge, those around you are elevated, and the kingdom is exalted. Well, that's what we're going to dive in today, and I really want the message today to hopefully illustrate what this fruitful, what these gifts actually look like in your life. Let's have, a, let's have a word of prayer and we'll jump right in. Father, I just thank you for another chance to be with your people in their homes, in their, in their car, in their earbuds, wherever they might be listening to this. And God, as we open your word, we just pray that you would open our hearts, that indeed we might experience fruitful living where our gifts are emerging and those around us are elevated and the kingdom exalted. Lord, this is our prayer. Speak to our hearts now in Jesus' name, amen. So the first week, four weeks ago, almost five weeks ago, I started off by talking about this quote um, from Miriam uh, Williamson, I believe her name is. And I want to uh, just read this quote one more time for you. This is what it says. 
Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it is in everyone. And as we let our light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. I know when I read this, this just captures the, I believe, the essence of what God wants us to really understand is that he has not called us to play it small. He has not called us to shrink back, to feel as though our lives are insignificant, but God has called us to shine. And I'm not talking about some type of cockiness or some type of braggadocious orientation towards life. No, I'm talking about a confidence in who you are rooted in Christ in the gifts and the calling that God has placed on your life. And you are willing as a result of that clarity that you have to let your light shine. And so we've talked about from week one that your life is God's gift to you. Your life, get this, your life is God's gift to you. And how you live your life is then your gift to God. And I think that there are far too many of us who are living lives far below God's ideal for us. Many of us are living our lives and we're just settling for the scraps. And God's like, I want to pull you up to the table. I want you to feast and to eat well. I want you to live in a life of abundance. I want you to literally have an abundance mindset. But many of us have a scarcity mindset. Many of us, we look at our lives and we say, oh, really, what, what could God do with me? Or what can God do through me? Or I don't have this or I don't have that. Or look at my family or look at my past or look at how much money I don't have. And we have this scarcity mindset. But God is calling us to have an abundance mindset. The glass is not half empty. The glass is half full. And because we know it's half full, we go forward with confidence, knowing who we are in Christ and what he has called us to do in this season, in this season, which is to bear fruit. And so it's time for us to shed that, to shed that, that, that scarcity mindset. And it's time for us to step into and walk in an abundance mindset, not one where it is some prosperity gospel where I'm naming and claiming word of faith, where I'm laying hands on cars that aren't mine and, and believing God that he's going to bless me with it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about an abundance mindset that recognizes that my life is here to be a blessing to those around me and that my cup will overflow and that other people will feast on the overflow and be, and be quenched from the overflow of my life. And so this is what we're going to deal with. And this is what we've been talking about. And that when we look at this idea of fruitfulness, that the goal for us as Christians that God is calling us into 
is that we live abundant lives and that we bear much fruit. Like that is the goal. I don't remember a few weeks ago, we talked about how if you play a football game, the goal is not just to get a first down, but the goal is to get a touchdown. And the more touchdowns you get, it lets you know that you're winning the game when you have more touchdowns than, the, than your opponent. And that the goal for Christians, let me be very clear, the goal for Christians, how we win the game, is we win the game by bearing much fruit. And this fruit naturally should automatically translate into us making disciples. In fact, I want to show it to you in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 21. This is what it says. Jesus came and told his disciples. He says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. This is the win for us. The win for us is making disciples. And we make disciples by bearing much fruit. But the question is, what does this fruit really look like? And I think Pastor Johns, he did an excellent job last week in delving into Galatians 5. In fact, I just want to take you there real quick, Galatians chapter 5. Because what I'm finding as I'm studying the Word of God is that there are really three different things that God has given us as believers, as the church. There's three different outpourings of His Spirit. Number one, God has given us fruit. Number two, God has given us gifts. And then the third thing that God has given us is he's all, he's given all of us ministries or services or activities as the various translations describe this word. So God has given us fruit. He's given us gifts and he's given us opportunity to engage in ministry and service. And I just want to break down each one for you real quick. So the first one, Galatians chapter five, verse 22, it's a familiar passage. We dealt with it last week for, it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. So we know that, that any fruit that you manifest is a result of God working through his Holy Spirit in your life. Let me be very clear about that. Any fruit that you manifest is a result of God working in your life through his Holy Spirit. Like that is how the fruit comes out. So he says that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let me read that again. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the type of fruit. And I love how Pastor John dealt with it last week, how he said this, this word, word fruit is actually singular. It's not plural. It's not like God comes and gives us all these things. No, God gives us the fruit of the spirit. And that fruit of the spirit is manifested in our life in these number of ways. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, what's interesting about the fruit of the spirit is the fruit of the Spirit is something that should be manifested in all believers. Yeah, yeah, all believers. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, 
all believers, all believers. Like no one is exempt from manifesting the fruit of the spirit. You can't come to me and say, well, God just didn't give me the gift of patience. No, patience is not a gift. Patience is a fruit of the spirit. And when God gives you his spirit, his spirit manifests patience in your life. There's not anyone on planet earth who is exempt from being kind. I know there are some Democrats and Republicans out there who think that they don't have to be kind to one another, but no one is exempt from being kind. No one is exempt from manifesting goodness or faithfulness. There is no reason why anyone should have a reason why they don't have to engage in self-control. None of us are exempt from loving people. In fact, I've said it before that there is no one on planet earth from the White House to the gutter to any country, third world country, it doesn't matter where that person is. There is no one on planet earth that I or that you are exempt from loving, that God has called us to love everyone. He has called everyone to love everyone. And if you are a child of God, the way that God, uh, what God does is he gives you his spirit and that spirit manifests these fruit in your life. Now, fruit are just one of the manifestations of the spirit, because another thing that he gives us it's the Bible tells us that he gives us what we call gifts. Now, gifts we read in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. And I want to take some time and really break this down. Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12. He says, now these are the gifts Christ gives to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Let me read that again. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, or how some translations will say shepherds and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. That God has given the church, you watching this right now, that God has poured out on the church his spirit and, and the way that the, and the gifts that he has given his spirit are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, shepherds, and teachers. These are the five gifts that God has given the church through his spirit. When you look in the mirror, what I want you to see is someone who has been given all of the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. You have been given all of the fruit of the Spirit, but you have not been given all of the gifts of the Spirit. No, not everyone is given all of the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are poured out in our lives based off of the Holy Spirit's prerogative, based on what he wants us to do in our lives. So some of us you're watching right now, you have the gift of apostleship. Some of you all have the gift of prophecy or the gift of a prophet. Some of you all have the gift of evangelists. Some of you have the gift of shepherding and some of you all have the gift of teaching. Let me be very clear with this. There is no one who's watching this right now. None of you all can say, well, I don't have any of those gifts. That would be contrary to the word. Because what the word says is that when you become a believer and you accept Christ, that he gives you one of these five. Look, it just said it. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. 
So when you accept Christ and you become a member and, 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 and a part of this fellowship, he gives you one of these five gifts. Now, I recognize that what we have done as a church is we have professionalized ministry right? And so I am a professional pastor. I've gone to school to be a pastor. I've studied six, seven years to be a pastor. I am a professional pastor. And we say, well, um, clearly Pastor Seth has the gift of pastoring. And well, I didn't go to school to be a pastor. I'm not a professional pastor. So therefore I must not have the gift of pastoring. But I don't want you to confuse a career and a professional pastor with a gift. Let me be very clear that you don't have to be a professional and, ha and have had gone to school for years in order to get the gift of pastor or shepherding. No, the gift that God gives isn't based off of your schooling. It's based off of what he wants to do in your life. And so some of you have the gift of shepherding. Even though you're not a pastor, you have the gift of pastoring. Some of you all have the gift of teaching, even though you maybe you don't have a classroom, you have that gift of teaching. Some of you all have the gift of evangelists and you might say, well, I've never done an evangelistic meeting. It's okay. God has given you the gift of evangelism. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say, some of you have the gift of prophecy. Well, what are you talking about? We know that oh, the prophets in the Bible and we know that, you know, the church has a prophet. I, I don't have the gift of prophecy. No. Some of you watching this right now, God has given you the gift of prophecy. That's what the word says. Let's just break this down real quick. So we know historically that there are men and women in the Bible, primarily men who were apostles, you know, Peter and Paul. And we, we generally categorize apostles as individuals who actually walked with Jesus, who saw Jesus, who spent time with Jesus. They are known as like the founders of the Christian movement and uh, they are the apostles. But we also know based on Ephesians 4 that God has given the church the gift of apostleship. And so the gift of apostleship is really manifested in someone's life who feels like they enjoy taking on challenges and creating a path to allow a vision to come to pass. So let me just really make sure I'm clear with this. You might have the gift of apostleship if you're that type of individual where you just really enjoy creating vision and creating systems and helping people kind of get from point A to point B and helping people navigate through the, 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 the challenges and the direction of their life. And you're, you're trying to lead people down a clear path. You might have the gift of an apostle. An apostle is that individual who really enjoys and thrives in creating and taking challenging situations and creating a path to allow success to happen. They succeed by finding something new and exciting to learn about. That's what an apostle does. And you might have just that gift of apostleship. A prophet, a prophet is not just someone who, who receives visions from God, but a prophet really also in modern day language, a prophet is someone who loves to relay the revelation of God's word to people. And so God might be speaking to you and, 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 God, and, and God wants you to share revelation from the word to other individuals. And you really enjoy, you love seeing people's lives change based off a of revelation that they have been given and they can faithfully share with others. You enjoy sharing the word. This is what God's word is saying to me. This is what God's word is saying to you. You might just have the gift of being a prophet. Doesn't mean you're going to see visions or you're going to know what's going to happen in the future, but it might be on an individual level. 
And then evangelists. Evangelists are individuals who love spreading the good news, particularly they love spreading the gospel and preaching the gospel to unbelievers. So if you just have like what's inside of you, like a fire in your belly and you're like, man, I love talking to unbelievers and people who aren't Christians. I love talking to them about Christ. You very well probably have the gift of evangelism. Even though you can say, well, I've never done a, an evangelistic meeting. I've never preached a ser series of sermons. It's not about preaching sermons. It's about living your life in such a way where when you're encountering your neighbor and you're talking to those around you, you just like telling people about Jesus, particularly people who don't know him. You have the gift of evangelism. For pastors or shepherds, these are individuals who really desire to create safe spaces for people to grow in. So if you're that type of person where you're just like, man, I just want to open my home and I just want to make sure people are cared for. If you find out that someone's sick, you're that first person to show up and to take them food or to really make sure they have everything they need in order so that they can thrive spiritually. You probably have the gift of pastoring and the gift of shepherding. Well, you say, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not, I'm not calling you a pastor. I'm saying you have the gift of pastoring and the gift of shepherding. And then there are those who are teachers and the gift of teaching. These are individuals who they enjoy sharing truth with others. They are most content when people look to them for coaching and truth telling. You enjoy teaching. And I'm not talking about teaching the Sunday school lesson or the Sabbath school lesson, right? No, I'm saying you enjoy just bringing people along life, coaching, speaking life into them. So when you look at the church that God has given through his Holy Spirit, he manifests the fruit of the Spirit in all of our lives. But then what he also wants to do is in a very specific way, he wants to manifest a one or two of these gifts in your life. Some of you already know what my gifts are. And you're like, well, you're the pastor. Your gift must be pastoring. Well, no, my gift really isn't pastoring. My gift is apostleship and evangelism. Yeah, I'm serving as a pastor, but my gift is apostleship and evangelism, creating systems and pathways for people who don't know Jesus to come to know Jesus. Now, many of you all know one of our former pastors, Pastor James Ueda. His gift was pastoring, shepherding. He was the pastor's pastor, and I love him to death. But it's very clear, man, this is his gift. This is my gift. And each one of you also have a gift. So when we talk about bearing fruit, we're talking about, yeah, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, self-control. But then we're also talking about you recognizing who you are and the specific gift that God has given you. And then the Bible also talks about these things called ministries or services that God is calling us into. And this really largely is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I just want to read it for you quickly. The Bible says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. And there are different kinds of service or ministries, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation, hear this. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. So God gives you his spirit. He manifests his spirit in your life for the good of everyone, not just for your own good, but for the good of everyone. The manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Verse eight, to one is given through the spirit, a message of wisdom to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith 
by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings by that one spirit, to another miraculous power, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretations of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distribu distributes them to each one just as he determines. What is Paul talking about? Well, he's already established that all of us should receive uh, the fruit of the Spirit and that many of us, all of us, will also receive one or two of the gifts of the Spirit. But now he's talking about the various ministries and services and, 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 and activities that God calls us to step into. Maybe some for a season, maybe some for a lifetime. The ministry of faith, the ministry of healing, the ministry of prophecy, the ministry of wisdom, the ministry of miraculous powers, the ministry of speaking in tongues. Like these are the ministries and the activities that God might call us into for a particular season or to carry out a particular project for God. And all of this is for the profit of the kingdom. All of this is for edifying and encouraging people around us. All of this, the fruit of the spirit, the gifts that he gives the church, the ministries and the activities that he calls us into is so that we can make disciples. It's so that we can bear much fruit where our gifts emerge, others around us are elevated, and the kingdom is exalted. That God doesn't give us all of these various things just for our own good. No, he's like, no, I'm calling you to do these things so that we can make more disciples and bring more people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. The question is, okay, God gives us the fruit, which is for everyone. And then God gives us specific gifts unique to who we are. Then God calls us into specific ministries and service opportunities based off of our situation and based off of who we are. The question is, um, why is it that we are not, as believers, manifesting more fruit? It takes us back to John chapter 15. And in John chapter 15, this was our key text for the entire series. John chapter 15, verse one through five, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I really want to take a minute and just really explain really what Jesus is saying in this passage, because he's basically describing four different types of individuals to us. On the front side, he says, I want you to know that there's some of you all who like you're in me, like you're connected to the vine, but you're bearing no fruit. Like literally, like your plate is empty. He says, if you look at the text, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. So there are some branches that are connected, but they're bearing no fruit. He says, this is not where he wants us to be. Like he's given us the fruit of the spirit. He's given us one of these or two of these five gifts. He's also called us into the ministries of what we just established in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Like there is no reason why we should not be bearing fruit. But some of us are right here where we are bearing no fruit. 
But then he says, there's another group of individuals. He's like, you all, he's like, you all are just bearing some fruit. Like you have, you have some fruit on your plate. You don't have a lot, right? You don't have any. It's not like you have, you have no fruit. No, you have some fruit. And for some of us at our church, we are happy and content with just the little bit of fruit that we're, that we're bearing. That you know, okay, yeah, I know that God has given me the gift to teach. And, you know, I teach a couple people here and there, but I, I, there's not an abundance. You're still kind of operating from a scarcity mindset. And then he says, there's some of you all where you don't just have some fruit. Some of you all have more fruit. Like, you're not doing too bad. Right? Your plate is full. He's like, but I don't want you to be content with just a full plate. He's like, ultimately, what I want from you is I want you to bear much fruit. That I want you to go from no fruit to now bearing some fruit to more fruit to now you are bearing much fruit. This abundance mindset, this is what God is calling us into as a church. And for re-love, I just want to tell you, for a long time, many of us have been kind of operating in these one of two categories, where we're content that we know about Jesus and that we have the somewhat of a relationship with him, but we're not really bearing any fruit. Our gifts are not emerging. People around us are not elevated. We're living for ourselves. The kingdom is not exalted. It's all about me, myself, and my core family. I'm not concerned about my community. I'm not concerned about my coworkers. I'm not concerned about my classmates. I'm not concerned about anyone but myself and Christ says, if you have that type of mentality, you are clearly over here bearing no fruit. But I want you to step into this abundance mentality. And the question then is, well, how do we get from no fruit to much fruit? Well, he tells us in the text, he says, you know, you are already clean. No, he says, verse two, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, that while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will bear more fruit. He says the way that you get from, from some fruit to more fruit is through pruning. Now, let me just say a word to you about pruning. That pruning is a process that gardeners engage in in order so that, they're, so that, the, so that the, 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 the fruit tree will bear more fruit. It's when they begin to cut away and to take off some of the branches and on the onset, it might seem like this is unnecessary and that it's, it's harsh, but pruning is important. In fact, there's three things about pruning I want you to understand. Number one, pruning, it's painful. It's painful when God begins to cut some things out of your life, when he begins to cut some relationships off. He begins to cut out some, how you're investing your time, how you're investing your money. He's like, no, I need to prune away some of these loose branches so that more of the nutrients from that tree can flow to fewer branches and that those fewer branches will have more resources so that they can bear more fruit. So pruning is painful. There are some of you that God is in the process of pruning you and it doesn't feel good. He's changing things around you. He's taking things away from you. He's trying to not punish you. He's not trying to harm you. He's trying to position you to bear more fruit. God says it's painful, but pruning, not only is it painful, but pruning is also purposeful. 
that there's a purpose in the pruning, that God's not saying, well, let me just arbitrarily cut things off of your life and remove friendships and get you to take some things away. God's like, no, I recognize that you have potential to go from here to here. You have potential to bear more fruit. You have a potential to not just, you know, uh, uh, talk to your family about me, but you can win your whole neighborhood to me. But you gotta, I gotta prune your mindset. I gotta prune where you spend your time. I gotta prune your investments. And by pruning, God says, I will position you to bear more fruit. But he also says like, pruning is painful and pruning is, it's purposeful, but ultimately pruning is also powerful. That this idea of pruning, it is a divine work that God steps in. And when you see the fruits that come out of your life as a result of the pruning, you will sit back and you will say, wow, look what God has done. It is marvelous. It is powerful beyond measure. That a life that is bearing more fruit is one where God is glorified and people around you are edified and exalted. And so, Don't settle for no fruit. Surely don't settle for some fruit, but allow God to prune you, relove, to start taking away some things, how you spend your time. Some of you right now, I just want to say this, you're too busy. The reason why you're not bearing any fruit is because you're too busy. You got too many things going on, too many responsibilities and obligations. You're running here, there, and everywhere. And God's like, well, well, what about the kingdom? And you're doing all of this in an attempt to establish stability and security for your your family. And I get that. But God's like, you're too busy. Your life could be so much more if you embrace the pruning process. Your life could be so much more if you embraced constraint and didn't try to do it all. So God wants you to bear more fruit. And the way that you get from some fruit to more fruit is you allow God to prune you. You come before the shears of heaven and you say, God, if there's things in my life that are not lining up, if there's things in my life that are not, that are taking away what I could be doing for your kingdom, how I could be blessing those around me, how I could really let my light shine, God, begin to just take away these things. If there's relationships or how I'm spending my time or how I'm spending my money, God, begin to please prune me. That's painful, but it's also purposeful. But the question is that once you start bearing more fruit, how do you go from more fruit to much fruit? Well, he says, he says in his word, he says, you go from more fruit to much fruit. Verse five, he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. So, so, so it's not just about more pruning, more pruning, more pruning, but it's about remaining, remaining, remaining. That, yeah, there is a pruning process that kind of takes you from from living a life where you're not bearing any fruit to now living a life where you have some fruit and kind of more fruit. But God's like, listen, if you want to bear much fruit, if you want an abundance mentality, an abundance life, stay connected to me. Stay connected every single day. Connect every single moment. You remain connected to me and the life of God Jesus will live in you. His spirit will flow through you and he will manifest the fruits. Your gifts will manifest. Your ministries that he's calling into you become real and relevant. And you'll see that, wow, look what God is doing in my life. He is adding increase. He is adding abundance because you are remaining 
in him. But the way that you go through all of this, the way that you go through all of this is you have to want it. You have to want to be pruned. You have to want to grow and to thrive. You have to want to live an abundant life. If you don't want it, then you will spend your entire life living far below God's ideal and God's purpose for you. And so my prayer for you, Relove, is that your desire would awaken, that you would recognize that, you know what? I refuse to settle for anything less than kingdom greatness. That I want my life to be a life that is well lived for the kingdom. And that when Christ comes, I will hear him say those words, well done, good and faithful. Now, Relove, I know that we're in the middle of a pandemic. I know there's craziness going on all over this world. I know currently our church is shut down. We're not having in-person worship services. But let me just tell you, there is still no reason why we can't bear much fruit. God has given us permission, even right now, in the midst of this, this, this chaos, God has given you permission to bear much fruit. And he is expecting you to bear much fruit. So don't make any excuses. Don't allow other people to discourage you. Remain connected to him and you will bear much fruit. So you've been watching this sermon series and you feel like, you know what? I want to bear much fruit. I don't want to just settle for an empty plate. I want you right now to jump over to our website, to relove.church. And there's a button there in the top right corner that says bear fruit. And I want you to fill out that form, click the button, fill out the form, and we will be in contact with you. And we'll be working with you to move through the process that your life can be one of abundance and that you can bear much fruit. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you. I thank you that Relove Church is a church that is a church that will bear much fruit, that we're not settling for some fruit or more fruit. God, we want abundance. We want our lives to radiate with your grace and your peace and your loving kindness. We want our gifts to emerge. We want those around us to be elevated and we want your kingdom to be exalted. And so, Lord, I just pray for every person who's watching this under the sound of my voice that you would please, Lord, just continue to engage them in the pruning process. Take away what needs to be taken away. Connect them deeply to your vine that you will flow your life and your energy will flow through them and they will bear much fruit. There are people right now, God, who are struggling in the midst of this shutdown. They're looking for jobs. They're without, it feels as though they're without hope. God, may you just let them know that even in the midst of this, this situation that you can, they can still bear fruit. Their life can still be one of purpose and power. Oh God, Lord, show them the, the people that they can touch, the people they can inspire the impact that they can still have. And so, God, we just thank you. We bless you. May we bear fruit for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.